Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Thursday. It is schedule day in the NFL. Finally, we get to find out what the NFL season truly looks like, uh, and of course, especially from a Raiders perspective, we already know a couple of games um, that uh, that have already been uh, announced. Uh, the Raiders open the season Sunday, September 11th, against the Los Angeles Chargers at SoFi Stadium. Suffice to say, that will be the equivalent of a home game uh, for the Raiders Uh don't take anything away from the Chargers, though. That is going to be one heck of a season opener. We saw what happened uh, last year to end the regular season. Now they're going to start the regular season. Those two teams, after playing the barn burner that they did at Allegiant Stadium, to decide who went to the playoffs. And we remember, of course, that was the Raiders. But they start the season, the Raiders do, at SoFi Stadium, Sunday, September 11th against the Chargers. A week later, here at Allegiant Stadium, the Raiders welcome in the Arizona Cardinals. Will Kyler Murray be there? I think he's going to be there. Uh, you should, should at least plan for the Cardinals' uh, great young quarterback quarterback to be there at Allegiant Stadium. That is what we know as of right now. I've got a little bit of an inkling on what might be happening uh, here in about 55 minutes when the official schedule gets released. There's a lot that's out there already. Um, I wouldn't trust everything that you see, so just sit tight. Santa's coming. Santa's coming down the chimney. Um, he's he's almost here. So um, you'll you'll find out. We'll all find out together what this schedule uh, actually looks like. Um, but without a doubt, and I'll, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Thursday schedule day. There's so many good games uh, on the docket for uh, the Raiders. They, they, they're home to the Patriots. They're home to the Cardinals. Of course, we already talked about that. Unique Ngakwe, uh, as, as our guy Q was talking about, uh, and the Colts uh, are here at Allegiant Stadium at some point, going on the road to play the Saints. Uh, going on the road to play the Titans, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Seattle, um, I was about ready to say the Supersonics. I was a huge Supersonics guy. Uh, to play the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, who's going to be the quarterback in New Orleans? Who's going to be the quarterback in Pittsburgh? Who's going to be the quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks? Uh, a lot of unknowns as we sit here today in terms of what the Raiders are going to be facing and who's going to be under center uh, when they face them. Q brought it up just a little while ago. And he's got a gut feeling that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the quarterback when the Raiders face the 49ers. Whenever that game occurs over at SoFi, or excuse me, over at Allegiant Stadium, Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback. Ooh, that's a pretty good call by Q. Uh, and I'm not going to rule it out. I'm not going to rule it out. As we talked about yesterday, and we went through the quarterbacks that the Raiders may or may not see on some of these teams that have big question marks right now at quarterback, including the Saints, including the Steelers, including the Seahawks, maybe even including, um, you know, the, the 49ers. And the Colts, Matt Ryan is is third in line uh, to try to replace Andrew Luck. Uh, they've kind of been going through quarterbacks left and right uh, over there in Indianapolis. What does Matt Ryan still left have in the have left in the tank? So we're going to be talking about all that. We're going to find out what that schedule looks like all together uh, in about fifty five minutes. Cannot wait. And by the way, I got to say this: if you are a basketball fan, an NBA basketball fan. 
if you are a fan of Winning Time, uh, the HBO show that uh, that just wrapped up season one about the Lakers and the Showtime era, Magic Johnson, Jerry Buss, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you knew all, all of those guys, Norm Nixon, Michael Cooper, um, all of those guys, Pat Riley, Paul Westfall, Jerry Buss, the whole gang of Showtime, Jerry West. Um, if, you, if you didn't know... And you have been winning, uh, watching Winning Time. If you didn't know exactly how all that unfolded and some of the key characters that you might have forgotten about over the years or just didn't know about, uh, one guy that in particular that really stole some of that show uh, was a guy by the name of Spencer Hayward. Okay, uh, This guy was one of the pioneers of the NBA, one of the great basketball players of all time, a trendsetter, um, really kind of paved the way, and we'll get into that. Anyway, Spencer Hayward, who... If you've been watching Winning Times, now you know who Spencer Hayward is. Check this out. Spencer Hayward is a huge Raiders fan, A. B, he lives here in Las Vegas up in Summerlin. And C, he's going to join us at 4.30. Spencer Hayward, the former NBA great who's now kind of uh, sort of bubbled back to the surface thanks to the HBO uh, miniseries called Winning Time uh, about the Lakers in the early 80s. Spencer Hayward, a great La- Raiders fan, by the way. He told me that yesterday. will be joining us at 4.30 to talk everything. Raiders football, his career, uh, the controversial um, you know, uh, drama that occurred late in his career with Los Angeles Lakers. We're going to get into all of that uh, at 4.30. Before we get into any of that, though, I just want to let you know that this half of the huddle, of Inside the Huddle, is sponsored by the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. There's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope. Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas offers genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Call their office today or book an appointment online to find out how to live as pain-free a life as possible. We all deserve that. Please call them at 702-257-7246. Again, coming up at 430, Spencer Hayward, uh, the former NBA great. And we're taking your calls to 702-365-9200. I want to get your thoughts whatever anticipation you guys have on how the schedule is going to look, your thoughts on the season opener in Los Angeles against the Chargers. Guess what? We all understand what that stadium is going to look like uh, in Los Angeles. There's going to be a heavy, heavy, heavy contingency of Raider fans, as is the case whenever they go to Los Angeles. Um, And the season opener against the Chargers at SoFi Stadium with the Raider-centric crowd, um, yeah, it's going to be electric inside that building. But don't take anything for granted. We saw the Chargers, A, beat the Raiders at SoFi Stadium last year, and B, come to Las Vegas and push them, the Raiders, to the brink uh, before succumbing in just an epic battle and, a, and a, one of the great Raider victories of all time, especially of recent here, uh, history, to push them to the playoffs. So you can't, no matter where the Raiders are playing the Chargers, you have to respect what's on the other line, the side of the line of scrimmage. Justin Herbert uh, and his crew, uh, Mal- uh, you know, we already know uh, on the other side of the ball with Joey Bosa um, and, and what they've got, Derwin James. Uh, you know, Khalil Mack is now on the Chargers. It's not going to be any kind of a walk in the park. I don't care how many Raider fans are going to be at that stadium. The Raiders have to come correct. I know they understand that. And I know Raider Nation understands that as well. But as Jermaine Illuminor, the Raiders offensive lineman, uh, uh, tweeted just, just a little while ago, once the first two games of the season were out there for public consumption, 
the Raiders on the road against the Chargers to start the season, and then a week later at home against the Arizona Cardinals um, in their season opener. What did Jermaine and Luminar say? Nice to see that the Raiders are starting, that we're starting the season with two straight home games. Hint, hint, a little bit of a joke. Uh, but not, I mean, it's dead serious. That will be two straight home games when you're talking about the crowd atmosphere and what Raider Nation is going to create in Los Angeles and obviously here in um, Las Vegas for those two games. So the Raiders, uh, two tough opponents, though. I mean, I think that it's safe to say the Chargers are going to be in playoff contention. Uh, that's a team that the Raiders are going to have to pick off twice this year or deal with twice this year. Um, and as we mentioned, no walk in the park whatsoever. Got to respect the Chargers. They're on the come just as much as the Raiders are. And then a week after that, you know, here comes Kyler Murray and, and the Cardinals. And I'll say this, if you look at Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, especially last year, they get off to fast starts. They don't play so well down the stretch. And that's been a little bit of a bugaboo for for the Cardinals these last couple of years, and it's and it's, and it's bit them on the on the on the knee and caused them to to miss the playoffs, especially last year when they faded. But early in the season, they've played pretty well, and they certainly did last year. And we were talking about them as a potential top seed at one point. I mean, they got out of the gates really quick. So if that is the case again this year, the Raiders are going to have their hands full in week two against the Cardinals. I don't see, we were talking about this yesterday uh, and and how befuddled I was that the Raiders are only favored in six of their 17 games uh, uh, this season. And that was based on Station Casinos. Uh, they're, they're the lines that they put out a couple of days ago. I don't see it. I mean, that's if, you're, if you believe that, then you believe the Raiders have gotten worse since last year and not better. And I think the opposite has happened. I think the Raiders have gotten better on all levels, including the coaching level, um, including the decision-making level above the coach or in conjunction with the coach. I think the defense, obviously, you bring in a Chandler Jones. I thought they did some nice things in their secondary, bringing in Rocky Yassin and Anthony Averett and Darius Phillips. I think the depth is better in the secondary. It's a little untested. It's young, to say the least. And I think another cornerback could maybe be on the way at some point. But Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, that's as good as it gets in terms of a pass rush duo. And I think Divine Diablo is going to be, be better. I think Denzel Perryman, that speaks for itself right there. I like what the Raiders did on the interior of the defensive line as well, building some depth, uh, creating some different skill sets and a little bit more, I think, flexibility to carry out what Patrick Graham, the defensive corner, wants to do. And a lot of that is is matchup football. What's the other team do? Uh, What is the opposing offense? What do they like to do? How do you match up with that? You can't just do what you do. I know that that's, you know, hey, we don't care what what the other side does. We're we're worried about us. We're going to do what we do. And there is something to be said about that to an extent. But you also have to respect what the other team does enough at this level to understand the best way to match up against that is to literally be able to match up uh, with that. And if that means switching to a 4-3 or a 52 or a 3-4 or with a 33-5, whatever the case might be in terms of your uh, alignment defensively, you need to be able to do. And I know that if you look at the Patriots and Patrick Graham, you know, he came from the Patriots. He coached with the Giants the last two years as a defensive coordinator. They've done a really good job of that. And I would suspect and expect that to continue with the Raiders. 
all that said, and I think it's a mistake to only have them favored in six games next year, all that said, this is the NFL, baby. And uh, there's no Southwest Louisiana states on this schedule. There's not even any Colorados or Washington State. Sorry, Cougars. Sorry, Buffaloes. There's none of that going on in the NFL. It's the, the best of the best. I am continually amazed, even on some of the bad teams, quote unquote, how good these players actually are. You're talking about just tremendous level of football. And hate to be all cliche and all that, but on any given Sunday, you can get beat. Flat out exclamation point. You saw what happened when the Raiders went to the Giants last year with Patrick Graham as their defensive coordinator. I know that uh, that was the week of uh, Henry Ruggs, and it was a uh, just a, a, a terrible situation. But, you know, by all accounts, the Raiders should have still been able to go to New York and win that game, but they didn't, did they? In fact, they kind of got, I wouldn't say embarrassed, but it was a, you were scratching your head going, that's not the team that I saw the previous whatever X five weeks or so, four weeks of the season. Who the heck is this team? Well, you don't come correct in the NFL. You're going to get your hat handed to you, period, exclamation point. So when you look at the schedule and you look at New Orleans, I don't care who their quarterback is, that's still going to be a chore going out to that venue and that environment and winning a football game. The Chargers, the Rams, the Patriots, the Cardinals, the Colts, the Seattle Seahawks going up to Seattle uh, to win a game. So the Nash are going to t- uh, uh, Tennessee to play the Titans. There's no gimmies on the schedule whatsoever. Even the Jacksonville Jaguars, who the Raiders will play at some point this year, and they're undergoing uh, a reconstruction in terms of what they're doing and how they're doing things, bringing in a new coach and a second-year quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. They've kind of rebuilt around him, tinkered. That's not going to be the same team that you saw last year in any way, shape, or form. I'm not saying they're going to go out there and win 10 games this year, but it's going to be a different operation, and I would suspect a better operation with Doug Peterson as their coach. So even that game going all the way across the country to Jacksonville, Florida, it'll be interesting to see what time of year that game is. Um, if you're the Raiders, you probably hope it's a little bit later because I'll tell you right now, it gets hot in Jacksonville. All right, so if it's an early season game uh, against the Jaguars, watch out because that humidity in that part of the country early in the season, it's no joke. So maybe the Raiders catch a little bit of a break and maybe it's a little bit later on in the year uh, where the weather isn't as uh, much of a factor. And, you know, you'll say, Vinny, well, I mean, the Raiders – are here in uh, Las Vegas. That's about as hot as it gets, too. Yes, it is. But, A, they play, obviously, in a uh, uh, dome stadium, so it's beautiful. (laughs) I don't care what day of the year it is uh, at at Allegiant Stadium. It's always going to be 75 and beautiful. And as far as their practices go, yeah, they they start early. It's still hot (laughs) that time of year, early in the year. But I'll say this, and I don't know which one is better or which one is worse, I still haven't quite got my finger or head wrapped around it. And you talk to some of these players that come here from Florida or Mississippi or Alabama down south, Louisiana, and they know everything that there is to know about humidity, and they come out to this heat, and it's a little bit of an adjustment for them coming to the dry heat coming from or going to the dry heat coming from the humidity and the uh, you know perspiration and how that sort of a heat so it's an adjustment going from one to the other and it is adjustment even going from this kind of heat in las vegas to that 
you know, August, September, early October humidity that exists in places like Jacksonville, Florida. So as much as we have to deal with heat here, it's a different heat, and there is an adjustment uh, adjustment to make. So long story short, if you're the Raiders, you kind of hope that the Jacksonville Jaguars game is a little bit further down in the season because it does get hot there. We'll find out. We're all going to find out at 5 o'clock how it all uh, plays out. But I want your thoughts and your calls and if you give us a call, 702-365-9200, what game are you looking forward to? When do you think the Patriots game falls on the schedule? If there's a more intriguing game this year, outside of obviously when they play the Chiefs and the Broncos and the and the Chargers, uh, their interdivision uh, rivals and, and uh, teams that they're going to have to really contend with and, and deal with if they want to get where they want to get to, to me, that Patriots game just holds so much allure, so much um, intrigue. You've got the whole pupil versus professor angle, um, you know, with Josh McDaniels, uh, button heads and wits and matching wits with, with Bill Belichick. He was there for 16 years, Josh McDaniels, on and off. Um, you know, obviously started early back in, I didn't realize this until I really started digging, uh, into, into Josh McDaniels, but I think he started in new England in 2001. That's kind of when it all started. If you remember correctly, that's kind of when the Patriots all of a sudden became what the Patriots, they're all of a sudden a team that everyone has to deal with the Patriot, the new England Patriots were, I'm sorry, but kind of a floundering, whatever, kind of, or yeah, they, they had a couple of good years mixed in with a whole bunch of eh, mediocre years. Like, what's their history when you think about it? It's not really that good until 2001, and then ever since then, you never know where the worm turns, man. It will turn on a dime if you get the right group, and obviously the Patriots did, and since 2001 to basically a couple of years ago, they were the cream of the crop of the NFL. And when you look at 2001 all the way till about a couple of years ago after Tom Brady left, one of the constants there, save for a couple of years when he went to Denver, was Josh McDaniels. So the matchup between he and Bill Belichick and then obviously Dave Ziegler, the general manager being here, he's a longtime New England personnel executive. You've got assistant coaches that have come over from the Patriots to Las Vegas. You've got players including today, welcome to Las Vegas and welcome to the Raiders, uh, Jared Stidham, the quarterback uh, that played for the uh, uh, Patriots the last three years, is now here in Las Vegas to fight for a backup jo job uh, behind Derek Carr. And I would imagine that he's probably got an inside track, let's face it. So Jared Stidham, who the, pa uh, the Raiders traded for today, basically what happened was um, – Jarrett comes to Las Vegas. The Raiders give the Patriots a sixth-round pick, but also get the Patriots' seventh-round pick in 2023. So it was, they just swapped uh, picks. Uh, so the Raiders drop a sixth, pick up a seventh for um, the, the opportunity to bring in Jared Stidham, uh, the quarterback from Auburn, been the, with the Patriots three years. Last year was kind of a wash, if you remember. He had back surgery or a back injury. So he missed the first half of last season. And then obviously by the time he got back, Mac Jones had taken the job and run with it. 
Um, so Mac Jones was the established starter. They drafted a guy this year. So in his case, um, you know, there was a better opportunity elsewhere and elsewhere turned out to be here in Las Vegas. And I go back to a conversation, you know, that we had uh, with Josh McDaniels in Florida in terms of, I remember asking him, what's your philosophy with your backup quarterback position? Cause you could go a number of different ways. I remember Les Snead, the Rams general manager used to tell me, I like a guy that can come in there and just play, you know, backyard football, just completely change it up. If our guy goes down, which you don't want that to happen, obviously. But if our guy comes down, I'd rather bring in a guy that just plays, you know, backyard, junkyard football and just throw a complete curveball at the opposing defense in the middle of a game. And, you know, so that, you know, of course, there are other ways that they handle it, but that was one of his preferences. I remember asking, um, you know, uh, Josh McDaniels that. And if you look at the history of the Patriots, this is why I asked him. They've been known to draft a few quarterbacks now, <laughs> even when they had the great Tom Brady. And sometimes you'd be scratching your head like, why Why the, the Patriots drafted another quarterback? Jimmy Garoppolo, Joe, Jacoby Brissett. Um, you know, and, and those are just two of the many that they have. But there was a thought process behind that, one of which was, and, and Josh McDaniels brought, brought this up, because there's so much change on your roster and, and sometimes the tendency with your backup quarterback is just to do it on a year-to-year basis, right? So you, you sign a guy to be the backup quarterback, you teach him the system over the, you know, you, you, you crunch all that in, but that, then in seven, eight months later, you're doing it all over again with another veteran. You bring him in on a one-year deal. Uh, this is when you have an established quarterback and you go through that whole ritual and routine again, only to do it again the next year. Why do that? Why do that was was Josh's thinking when you can bring in a young guy, maybe invest a mid round draft pick or, or an undrafted free agent type of a situation. Get him in here for a few years, teach him the same system by the same coaches over a period of time. And then in two, three years, see what you got. Try to coach him up to the best of his ability and then see what you got. Maybe he's going to be the starter. And as Josh McDaniels pointed out, you know, we're not doing anybody a service, including ourselves or the player. And the player isn't doing himself any service, including himself or the team. If he doesn't want to or doesn't have a goal to eventually be the starter. Why else are you in this business if the goal isn't to be a starter? And if you're a coach... You're going to coach him up with the thought of maybe this guy will be a starter for us or else you're doing him a disservice. So you get somebody in, a young player, and you coach him up like you think that he's going to be the eventual starter. And then in three years, two years, you see what you got. Well, in Jimmy Garoppolo's case, the Patriots ended up getting a second-round pick for him. I think they traded Jacoby Brissett as well. So they, while neither of those guys ended up being the starter, the established starters for the Patriots, they got him on the field. They developed him. Other teams in the league recognized that and said, we'll give you something for these guys. And so you win in the back end. Maybe he becomes your starter, or maybe he saves your bacon on a two-week basis or a three-week basis. Or, and, or, maybe he ends up getting you another draft pick down the line because you've developed a pretty good young quarterback that some other team is going to value, i.e. Jimmy Garoppolo. We're going to go out to the Realty One Group listener line Tone is in Modesto. How you doing, Tone? Hey, Vinny. What's going on, man? Hey, for me, man, it's definitely the Niner Raider game, man. Um, you know, um, without doubt, I know. I see the angles you're talking about with you know the pupil versus the student or the coach. Uh, the team. 
Oh, Tone, man, I think we're losing you, brother. Are you there? Hey, how are you? Yeah, can you hear me? I got you, Ben. Tone, if you get a chance, uh, give us a call back. But Tone was talking about, obviously, this is another intriguing matchup for a lot of different reasons. But that 49ers-Raiders game, for something that counts, uh, Q mentioned it uh, uh, on his show. Yeah, the, the Raiders went up there uh, in the last preseason game of the year last year. I still haven't woke up uh, from that game. Those those last preseason games are brutal. But anyway, um, actually, we did get a chance to see Trey Lance in that game, and that wasn't so that wasn't so bad. But it didn't mean anything. There wasn't anybody of significance playing in that game except for the 49ers. They did play some of their starters, which was weird. They were running some of their stuff too. By the way, I remember after that game, uh, John Gruden said, "I mean, we're like trying to figure out what our lineup's going to look like, and and they're running like their their, their stuff that they're going to run next week." In the season opener, so caught the Raiders a little bit off guard, but whatever. Uh, teams handle things a little bit differently. Long story short, that game didn't mean, mean anything. Guess what? This game, when the 49ers and play the Raiders, uh, yeah, obviously that's going to mean something on a lot of different levels, and we'll see where that game lands um, on the uh, on, on the docket. I would imagine the NFL is going to uh, put that in a uh, on a on a pretty big uh, uh, stage. So uh, we'll see, and and chances are. Uh, if the 49ers can get that quarterback situation, you know, situated and, and taken care of, um, they're going to be a handful. I mean, they went to the NFC Championship game last year with a banged up Jimmy Garoppolo and were literally, literally one player holding on to an interception away from going to the Super Bowl. That's how close the 49ers were from going to the Super Bowl. It didn't happen. The Rams did. Uh, the rest is history. Back out to the Realty One uh, listener line. Gangster Raider is on the line. How you doing, Gangster Raider? I'm, I'm not surprised that we opened up against the Chargers, but I thought it was going to be um, in Vegas and a Sunday night or Monday night game. You know what I'm saying? But I'm glad we played the Chargers out here in L.A. to open the season. You know what I'm saying? But I was thinking that we were going to open up against the Chargers either on Sunday night or Monday night in Vegas. And I think the NFL dropped the ball. Because I think the opening Sunday night game is the um, the Bucks and the Rams, which is um, that was the opening night Thursday game last year, which was you know pretty much a dud. Why is that the Sunday night game again? This should have been the Monday night or Sunday night game, the Chargers and the Raiders, if you ask me. But um, I like what we've got so far because we stay on the West Coast. You know, I said we got two home games to start the season, and um, DeAndre Hopkins shouldn't be um, playing when we get to the Chargers, I mean, to the Cardinals, you know what I'm saying? But um, do you know anything about the new regime, if they're going to keep the practice thing about 7 a.m.? Because I think that was a gave us a competitive advantage when we traveled back east. And do you know if the new regime is still going to continue to practice at 7 a.m.? And um, also, we only, we're the only team in the league got 10 games, the eight, um, the eight home games in the Legion and the two out here in L.A., you know what I'm saying? So we got 10 home games. Remember that when um, – Y'all picking the schedule. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. keep the gangster, y'all. You know what I'm saying? LA is always a right of town. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, no, no doubt, um, uh, gangster. And there's no, uh, there's no other way that the Raiders can handle practice other than practicing at 7 a.m. in the morning uh, here in the desert. So uh, I would expect that to continue um, for some length of time. Uh, you know, it, it changes once once you get into later October uh, into November because. To be honest, it starts getting cold in Las Vegas, too. Everyone thinks about the heat, but it starts getting chilly uh, as well. Um, so, but we'll, it definitely, I thought 
gave them an advantage going out east, especially early in the season. They went to Pittsburgh and won a game last year uh, because they were on that time schedule and they were on that time frame. So uh, that's not going to change. You can't, you know, and you can't really practice indoors either because that starts wearing on the ankles and all that kind of stuff. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Thursday. We're back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. This is Gen Radio 920 AM. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Thursday. It is basically Christmas Day here because the schedule is finally going to get it released. Uh, in just a little uh, under a half hour uh, from the NFL, going to finally find out uh, where the Raiders play and when. Uh, we already know the who. Now we're going to figure out what day and when and where uh, this the schedule plays out. Uh, but without further ado, uh, I want to go out to the Raider Nation uh, guest line and welcome in um, one of the great basketball players uh, the planet Earth has ever produced, flat out, um, without question. Uh, he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's an NBA champion. He's an Olympian. Uh, he was an ABA MVP. He's a pioneer, a trendsetter, somebody that changed the complexion of basketball in terms of when you were allowed to go play on the biggest stage uh, in the NBA. And, and and he's now kind of bubbled back to the surface um, because of the show Winning Time. Um, if, you've, if you've been watching HBO's Winning Time, uh, the Lakers story of Showtime in the uh, in the late 1970s, uh, Spencer Hayward, our uh, guest that's coming up right now, played a big role in that. And uh, I think fans are getting a chance to to see his story, the Lakers story, uh, in a un- unique and different way. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome in Spencer Hayward. Uh, how are you doing, my friend? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much uh, for, for joining us. Good uh, news for Raiders. Good news for Raiders. We got... You know, we have the second game is going to be at home. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals are coming to town uh, uh, for the second game of the season. They start the season in Los Angeles uh, in against Los their Angeles, uh, yeah yes. against the Chargers, which we know that's going to be a home game for the Raiders because you know how uh, Raider Nation rolls uh, in L.A. And Spencer told me yesterday, this was a uh, a treat to hear that he is a huge Raiders fan. Uh, how how'd that happen? How'd that uh, come about, Spencer? We in Las Vegas. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, I thought it was like I was even... a Lion fan because uh-huh. I was raised in Detroit, you know, around, you know, the Detroit Lions. But uh, when I got out here, everything in Las Vegas is me. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, you've been out here in Las Vegas for a while. Did you ever think that the NFL would actually land here? And I'm sure the NBA is going to follow here pretty soon. But did you ever envision that the NFL and the Raiders, for that matter, would actually be here in Las Vegas? Well, I'm so glad they are, but nevertheless, I was assured that, and myself, Julius Irvin, all of us were like, you know, we are are going to be the first team, first professional team. And then you got hockey, and then you have the Raiders. I was like, whoa, (laughs) the NBA, but (laughs) are we that far behind? And the NBA is looking at all of the, the great things that have happened with the Raiders it's like, wow, we got to get here. And then we had a couple of teams trying to undercut the process because New Orleans were, were interested in moving 
from New Orleans here, but now they have a winner and they have fans, so they can't move. Then you had Memphis with the same attitude, but uh, we're just going to have to do an expansion. I think there will be an expansion, and I think it's going to be the Seattle uh, Supersonics, your old team, Um, and and then also the Las Las Vegas. Uh, I think that's that's how it's going to happen, Spencer. Yeah, and, and and it won't be like way down the road either. We're talking two to three years. I agree. I completely agree. All right, Spencer, I got to ask you right off the bat. Um, I, I grew up in Los Angeles, uh, very familiar with, with Showtime, um, with everything that happened, um, including what happened, um, you know, with you down, down, you know, uh, as that season unfolded, but first and foremost, um, and cause this has got a lot of talk about how people were portrayed. And in some cases, either their characters were exaggerated or, uh, there were some mistruths to how they were characterized in your case, in Spencer Haywood's case. Uh, and we're going to get into your story. How would you say the show has portrayed Spencer? Hey, it's true. True, true, true. <laughs> true and true and true. Because, you know, that was the year that everything came apart. Now, I wouldn't, you know, at the, at the height of my life, uh, go start using cocaine or or anything like that to destroy my career. And at that same time, my wife was this, uh, was at, at, that, at that particular time was Iman, the supermodel right. who was getting into the film industry and had all of the fashion world. I mean, that's not my plan, but I did have that slip up. And, you know, when I started seeing, because I'm, I'm, I'm still under the care of a psychiatrist. Okay. So I that's a good years thing. Ago, 30 years, that's a great thing. I started 30 years ago. Yep. And I was sitting there and I was trying to figure out why did I do that? And it was explained to me that, you know, you have been going through post traumatic stress for years, even because of when you sue the NBA for the rights to play in the NBA as an early, early player before your four years of college was up, you are breaking the bedrock principle. You also, And I also was sued, underlined by the NC2A, who thought that they were going to lose all of that revenue. So I had all of that going on. And remember, the NFL is using the Spencer Haywood rule as well. Yep. Yes, sir. And, and to, they have yet to say hi to me. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Uh, we're going to get it. I am. <laughs> you had a lot on your shoulders. There's no question about it. You had a heavy, heavy yeah, burden. So it, so, it, so it came down in that season, and it was just, uh, it was a horrible, it was a horrible season for me, a horrible time in my life. And to sit there, sit here and watch it over again on winning time, I mean, I have cried many tears from season, from episode five until the end. I was like, whoa, I got to visit with it again. And it, it, was, it was something special and something good. And then I, I talked with Kareem and those guys, and they, everybody is like, oh, mad and saying, well, it's not portraying me right or that right. I'm like, man, come on. I mean, Kareem, you, you saved me in the movie. <laughs> yeah, there's no question about it. And we're talking to Spencer. You saved me, and yeah, and, and, and you are portrayed as, as just this great hero so and, and a great champion. I mean, gosh. 
Yeah, and uh, we're, we're talking to Spencer Haywood, um, one of the greatest basketball players to ever walk this earth, and I mean that. I mean, you look at the numbers that Spencer put up, what he accomplished. He was an Olympian. Um, he went straight. For, he left college early um, and and challenged to go to the uh, NBA. Uh, that didn't work initially. He had to go to the ABA. Moses Malone went to the ABA. A lot of you know there were players that went to, you know early in their careers before the NBA allowed them to come into the league. They went to the ABA and starred, and then eventually got to to the NBA. But Spencer. When you think about those years where you were challenging and this thing went all the way to the Supreme Court and you lost time as a result of this, uh, where did the resolution and resolve come to stick with it when you didn't have to, but but it, it just seems like you dug your feet in for the right reasons and accomplished something that everybody today should be thanking you for, but where did that resolve come to stick with it? Well, the reason... The resolve comes from, uh, you know, being the first year in the ABA and winning everything there and then coming to the NBA and the NBA saying, no, you can't, you're not allowed to play here. And so they had uh, injunctions upon injunctions against me so that I could not get on the floor. And when I got on the floor, the game was under protest. They put me out into the snow because of, uh, you know, when I when they had an injunction, I couldn't stay on the grounds in which the arena sat on. It was a serious battle. And just to give you a little a little information with Kurt Flood who had the similar yep. battle and for baseball, he never came back to America after the case. He just he couldn't take it because I mean I mean people were very cruel and it's a cruel world trying to fight for the rights of players and going all the way to the Supreme Court. It broke Muhammad Ali, it broke uh, Kurt Flood, and it broke me. So I, the three of us went to the Supreme Court. So it's, it's, uh, it and, put some damage on you. But yeah. why I was fighting is because my mother was in Mississippi, Silver City, Mississippi, population 200 people in the cotton fields. She's picking cotton for $2 a day. She had been picking cotton from the time she was four years old. And and we were like in, in a poverty situation. So how can I sit back and say, I'm going to make the University of Detroit uh, $10, 12000000 million this year, and I can't feed my own mother and my, my siblings? Now, that made no sense. So I fought it all the way to the Supreme Court. And then I got caught up into the, you know, like all of the, the revolutionary people. You know, you got to fight on your hand. You got to stay with the fight. And speaking of the attorneys on the case, uh, the head of the MGM properties, not, not MGM properties here, but MGM Motion Pictures, right. was one of my key attorneys. And the second lead attorney was Governor Pat Brown, yep. who was the governor of California. So it was, oh, gosh, this was a battle, man, for a year. Yeah, and, and for the listeners, imagine this. Spencer goes to the ABA. As, and as I'm 20 years old. 20, I'm 20 years 20 old. years old. And... <laughs> 20 years old, and and that was a high level of basketball. It really was. There were some great players in that league. Your first year at 20 years old, you averaged 30 points and 19.5 rebounds per game while leading the Rockets to the ABA's Western Division title. In the playoffs, you defeated the Washington Caps uh, in seven games, uh, and then the Los Angeles Stars, um, you were the ABA MVP. This is at 20 years old. You had every right to say, okay, now I'm going to go to the NBA because obviously I'm good enough. 
And the NBA said, no, uh, you're still not old enough, which is the stupidest, most – like nowadays we look back and say, nowadays what? Nowadays it's, it's stupid, yeah. But, and also, now they allowed me to go to the Olympics. They bend the rules for the Olympics in 68 because of Kareem and some of the other guys boycotted the 68 Olympics. Well, they said, well, we can't allow freshmen to, to be on the Olympic team because, you know, at that time you would have had, you had to wait – uh, and your sophomore year before you were on a roster at a major university. And it was under the university rule. Right. But yet they made an exception for me that year. Like, oh, yeah, go save America. <laughs> exactly. You can't save yourself. <laughs> Which, by the way, you did in Mexico City, averaging 28.2 points yeah. per game and 22 rebounds uh, per game. Um, <laughs> all right, so so you you know uh, we're going to have to fast forward this a little bit. Uh, okay, he, okay. he ends up winning. The, the court case, it, it took, you know, obviously it was, it took a whole, a huge toll on you personally, uh, your yeah. career, um, emotionally, all of those types of things. And some of those things you ended up, it was almost like a, uh, a um, you know, uh, it, it bounced back on you in ways that you probably didn't even know or realize. I didn't know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you end up going to the Lakers um, in 1979. And um, yeah. you get there. There's there's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, who I, I know Kareem, and one of the most intelligent human beings I've ever met. And just a, a even as shy as he was, and sometimes difficult, sometimes to deal with, just a great man. Um, and he was on a that great team. Great man, great yeah. great man. Um, but then there's also a kid by the name of Irvin Johnson uh, from Michigan State, 19, 20 years old. Uh, what was your what was your first impressions when you saw Magic? Who also, by the way, uh, a Michigan kid, kind of like yourself. I know you you weren't yeah, born there, yeah, but you know, a Michigan kid. Yeah. Uh, how much did you know about him, and what was your first impressions of of young Magic? I knew all about Magic. We were up in Palm Springs during the training camp. You know, the movie says I walked into the locker room, but uh, we had a training camp up in yep. up in Palm Springs, and. Uh, Man, we were in the gym. You know, Kareem and I, we, we had to put in 10 years. So, and Jamal Wilkes had yep. put in a number of years. Jim Jones had put in a number of years. And then you got Michael Cooper running up and down the floor acting crazy. <laughs> you had Magic Johnson. He's in, in the gym. Like, we, we're, like, practicing this scrimmage, and he's pushing us so fast. We were like, hey, <laughs> this, is, this is preseason, man. What are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, no, you got to get ready, big guys. You got to get ready. I'm not going to lay back with you guys. I mean, I know you old guys don't want to run. And, you know, that pushed the button with me and Kareem right. and, and all of us. Like, oh, now wait a minute, young <laughs> buck. You know? And so he was that exciting. And the beautiful thing about it, you would, like, run down the floor and you like, turn around and look, put your hand out for a pass, and the ball is there before you even turn good. It was like, oh, this is a <laughs> sweet layup. So he was just awesome. And Kareem was like, Wait a minute, Wood. This is our chance, man, to make history. We're going to win six of these championships, you know? And so it was just a powerful time. And to watch Magic play and watch Kareem just just put his game on another level. Jamal Wilkes was stepping up big time. Norm Nixon was, like, trying to prove himself more. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful team. We had a great coach, Jack McKinney. Had a great assistant coach, Paul Westhead. And up in the radio booth, we had Pat Riley, yep. you know, and 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 uh, Chick Hearn talking all that stuff. The, the ice is cold. Put it in the refrigerator. <laughs> hey, absolutely. I was like, oh man, it was just a, a beautiful, exciting time and love. And then I get, 
I just go out and shoot myself in the foot. Yeah, right. I know. Some freaking cocaine. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. And for the audience's sake, I mean, my coke was not just, I wasn't snorting it. I was freebasing it. Uh, Freebasing it was free, free crack. So I had a fast trip down. I came there averaging 24 points and 11 rebounds. And by the end of the season, I was down to uh, seven points and five rebounds, 20 pounds lighter. And just a shell of myself, man. I, you know, when I just watching that film, Winning Time, I'm just, I just look back at it and like, wow, I've been watching it over and over the, right. the final scenes and stuff. And I'm like, how did I do this? Well, and then I talked to my doctor, and he said, you're, you're doing good to watch it and to to be a part of it. Yep. And so today I have a on my podcast, I have an interview with the cast. Oh, wow. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna they check are that on out. my podcast now, the Spencer Haywood Rule podcast. I do need some support because I realize that, you know, just putting it out there, you can't, you know, you need the support, you need subscribers, and you need yes, definitely. Uh, people to watch it. So please, y'all, get me a break. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get that information out there. Um, I, I I I left. I didn't see the last episode. I'm I'm, I'm waiting to watch oh, it. Oh, I'm not going to tell you. Ah, because I let it was the last I saw oh. was you going over to somebody's house and you know basically it implied that you were putting a hit on on the Lakers. Uh, can you just was that was that accurate? Well, what happened? What yeah? What happened was this is this, this the, the the episode before. Remember when the players on the team decided. After I have played all season, right. two games into the finals, they decide, well, you know what? We don't want him around the team anymore. Right. And so we're going to vote him off the island. <laughs> right, exactly. And I'm like looking at Magic, and I'm like, how could you even think about it? You're under the Spencer Haywood rule. What, right. What are you talking about? True, true. Jim Jones, you guys are under my rule. What are you doing? Right. And But yet it was it was an expulsion. expulsion. And uh, I was really hurt, but I, yet, but I was intoxicated as well. Right. So with with the hurt and intoxication and the pain that I've had, to, you know, winning this case, the NBA wouldn't allow me to be in the All Star games for, you know, all of my years. They just wouldn't do it. Wow. And so I had a lot on my mind, and I said, "Hey, if the whole thing is going to blow up, I might as well blow it all up." Wow. So. That's when I was thinking about all of that crazy madness. And Dr. Ernie Vandeway, you know, Kiki Vandeway. Oh, yeah, father, most definitely. He came He came and talked with me and rescued me again, saying, you know, you can't do this, young man. This is, you know, right. this is bad. And so he, he helped me to get some help. And then I just started working with my wife at the time. Iman, she was like bugging me. Right. You know, you need to get help. And I was like. Black folks don't get help in America. Are you crazy? Right, right. <laughs> you don't get no see no psychiatrists. <laughs> well, it's good that that's yeah. kind of coming around too, and, and that we're way more aware of mental health. Before we let you get out of here, Spencer, and I do want you to come back uh, at some point uh, to continue this conversation. But what's well, the re- you, let me tell you this? You know, your broadcaster Britt Mushberger, yeah, was the broadcaster yes. in the locker room with us during that period. Absolutely, and he, no, no question. Bill Russell, yep. Yes. Yep, exactly. Uh, what's the relationship that you have now um, with Magic and, and, and Kareem and, 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 and those guys, especially considering what happened and how it ended for you with Lakers? No. You know, I 
know, I had to make amends. I, I, on my fourth step on my recovery program, this is 34 years, but one day, uh, I had to do the fourth step. I had to go back to the team, which was crazy, <laughs> years ago to make amends and apologize for my behavior. And they, you know, apologized for theirs. And we have been great, great friends since then, you know, and, and more so now. And I've been encouraging Kareem, please watch Winning Time. Magic, watch Winning Time. You guys, and, and it's not a bad portrayal of you right. guys. So, and Jerry West, I mean, he's the logo. Yeah. Come on, man. Don't be fighting with all of that stuff. Right, and, right. Man, you've got championships to win. you got another one you're going to pull off with the Clippers. Come on, buddy. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Life is too short to be like, oh, my God, look what they're talking about. This was 41 years ago. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. And, you know, Spencer, <laughs> it, it warms my heart to this day uh, that, uh, that you know, in some way basketball did right by you. You're in the Hall of Fame. That happened in 2015. Yeah. Rightfully so. Um, your story is uh, one of the more unbelievable stories. And, and, I, and I say this. Uh, with full truthfulness, you are literally one of the best basketball players that ever walked this earth. And uh, unfortunately, because ESPN wasn't always around back then and, and so on and so forth, um, you don't get your just due. But I'm glad that basketball uh, came back around and, and did the right thing by putting you all in the Hall of Fame because you absolutely deserve it. And you have an open invitation to come back on Let the me show. Let say one more thing. Go for it. Uh, I, I was in L.A. with for Kareem's 75th birthday like a month ago or less okay. than a month ago. And I'm standing there getting ready to go out on the floor with him to celebrate his birthday with Magic and all of us. So we're hugging and mm-hmm. loving up on each other. Good. LeBron James come running, Uh-oh. and I'm just jumping out of the way. I'm getting out of the way because I'm thinking, you know, he's going to jump and talk to Kareem and Magic. He jumps in my arm and said, oh, I want to thank you, man. I want to thank you for what you've done for me and my family. And I'm I'm getting more I'm learning more about it because of winning time. Right. And the same thing happened with uh, with the Oklahoma Thunder team. They did the same thing. I said, so winning time is, has exposed everybody to really who I am as a player. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I, Not- I, exactly. You know. So when when you are walking in the spirit of, of goodness or God, then that's he turns things around and make it better. Well, it, and it shows, and, and you know what else it shows you, uh, Spencer? Uh, life is truly a marathon. It's not just a sprint. And um, you know, and and if, uh, the longer we're here, uh, the longer the, the better chance we have of making amends and for things to come full circle. Um, and it's not where you are; it's where you're headed. And, and and you know, you took a bad situation, and it's turned out pretty darn well for you, uh, or you've made it turn out pretty well for yourself. And I'm glad that you're yeah. getting the just, um, you know, recognition now uh, and rewards that that you so richly deserve. Yeah, you sound great on the radio. I listen uh, to you. Okay. I'm gonna be. I'm, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start studying you now. Uh, well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, and it's been an honor to have you on the show. And I mean this. Uh, you know, once the season gets going, let's have you back on so you can talk some Raider let's football. Ha- okay. Let's, please, let's talk Raider football. There you go. Uh, thank you so much for All spending right. some time with us in the huddle, Spencer. Good luck to you, uh, and we continue to uh, to watch your uh, your ever evolving uh, journey. Uh, that was Spencer Haywood. He is uh, one of the more remarkable uh, human beings and a hugely important. 
person when it comes to when you see guys like, you know, going from, you know, whether they're freshman year to college or LeBron James going from high school Kobe to, to, to the NBA, um, somebody had to pave that way. And it was Spencer Haywood. And it took a great toll on him. But uh, it's beautiful to see that that he's rebounded from all of those uh, issues uh, and is a better man for it. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Thursday. When we get back, we're going to be looking at the NFL schedule.